this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to this latest edition of our sermon podcast. It's good to be with you today as we continue a sermon series about uh, puzzles and how every piece counts in that puzzle. But before I do some reflecting on that, let me read the passage that we will be looking at today. This comes from the Gospel of John, and it is verses or chapter rather, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You will not always, you, you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. May God's blessing be on the hearing and living out of this word. Several years ago, I led a book study about the TV show, The Simpsons. I think the name of the book was uh, The Gospel According to The Simpsons and taking a look at how religion and the faith life was portrayed in the TV show, long-running TV show, The Simpsons. Uh, which rang true for me. Uh, I have, uh, I confess, I've not watched The Simpsons in the last few years, but uh, I have watched a fair number of episodes during uh, its lifetime. And one episode in particular has always stuck out to me, especially when reflecting on uh, The Simpsons and how it portrays uh, the faith life. So this one episode was in one of the early years, and uh, Homer. For those who know the show, Homer is the dad of the family, is there at the nuclear power plant, which is his steady job. He is, as he is wont to do, eating jelly donuts. And one of the donuts, or the jelly, spatters out of the donut and hits uh, a dial on this big electronic panel that Homer is conceivably overseeing. Well, that causes something to happen in the control panel, and now the nuclear power plant is on the verge of a meltdown. Homer is the only one who seemingly can save things, but uh, Homer has no skills. And in fact, uh, we see in the episode back when they were doing the training for what would happen like this, Homer was playing with the Rubik's Cube. So in desperation, uh, Homer just starts hitting any button around, uh, or he looks at all the buttons in front of him rather, and he does the tried and true eeny, meeny, miny, mo, And miraculously, he hits the right button saves the meltdown, or saves this, the town from a, a meltdown. Well, while all of this is happening, while things are looking pretty grim for Homer and the, and the town of Springfield, we cut away and see Marge, Homer's wife, who hears about what's ready to happen and decides at that moment she is going to say a prayer. And so the prayer goes like this. She says, Dear Lord, If you spare this town from becoming a smoking hole in the ground, I'll try to be a better Christian. 
I don't know what I can do. Oh, the next time there's a canned food drive, I'll give the poor something they'd actually like instead of old lima beans and pumpkin mix. That's her prayer. And so perhaps some of this may ring true to some. Often, sometimes what happens in our own faith lives, we pray when there's an emergency, which is not a bad thing to do. Uh, but also, I find it funny because sometimes, uh, I think I've been guilty of this too, if there was ever maybe a canned food drive and you wanted to contribute to it and you look in your cupboard and you see all of the things and you think, well, no, actually I might want that soup or I might want that can of tomatoes, but oh, I know, I'll give the food drive my old lima beans and my pumpkin mix, something that we may not use. Essentially, these are the leftovers. Well, I mentioned earlier that we are in the middle of this very short sermon series, an important piece of the puzzle. This is the time of year when a lot of churches and we are too are reflecting on what does it mean to give, not just financially, but what does it mean to give out of our whole lives? That's what we reflected on, or I reflected on last week anyway, in remembering you may have listened and talking about the hokey pokey and what does it mean to put our whole selves into our faith life. And I mentioned too that when we put our whole selves in, that means our whole selves, which also means our bank accounts, our finances. A reminder, Jesus talked more about money than he did about prayer. So that's part of who we are. So today I want to talk specifically about, all right, if we talk about giving our whole lives to God, what specifically does that mean? Like, what do we offer and also the importance of what we offer. If we are an important piece of the puzzle, then perhaps what we offer is also an important piece of the puzzle too. So we are looking today at this topic through the lens of Mary in this passage from John. So a lot has happened. So this is chapter 12, the beginning of chapter 12, chapter 11. There's a whole lot that goes on in chapter 11. Uh, you may have heard of the story of Lazarus, if you've ever heard a mention of Lazarus rising. That happens in chapter 11. Uh, Lazarus has died, and Lazarus has two sisters, Mary and Martha. Jesus comes to there where they are living. Uh, they are upset because Lazarus has died. This is also for those of you who ha- know the uh, famously short passage, Jesus wept, that comes from John 11. And so we hear... Uh, are in this passage, in, or in John 11, rather, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And by doing so, he incurs the wrath of some of the religious authorities. Because they were afraid that if Jesus could do miracles like this, there's no powerful, no telling how powerful he could become. And so they decide to put Jesus to death. That is what's coloring the passage that we read today. So we start off, notice that some people or the people are giving something to Jesus right out of the box. So verse one, we read Lazarus, no doubt, very grateful for what Jesus has done. Lazarus puts on this big dinner. Martha offers her gift of service. Again, you may know the story of Mary and Martha. That doesn't come from John. It actually comes from the gospel of Luke, but the story of Martha busy in the kitchen. And that kind of seems to bleed over into this passage in the gospel of John too. Mary, however, kneels before Jesus and anoints his feet with a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard. This is some gift. This is some sacrifice that Mary has given. 
Judas later on says that this could be sold for 300 denarii, which is about a year's salary. Think about that, a year's wages. Nard, to give you a little bit more context, Nard, one uh, commentary I read this week, had to be imported from the Himalayas, which is even today, think about the Himalayas and the northeast part uh, in Nepal, had to make its way all the way to the Middle East and to the area uh, of Jerusalem. So this is an astounding thing, astounding sacrifice, astounding gift that Mary has made. One scholar said that Mary's extravagant act is no less a faithful witness to the even more costly and extravagant act that is about to occur. Mary is a witness and a disciple, not by what she says, but by what she does. So this is a fascinating piece of the puzzle that Mary offers, hinting at the sacrifice that Jesus will make. So what's the response? What's the immediate response of this act that Mary makes? Well, we read Judas isn't thrilled. And in fact, we don't see this particularly in the passage, but maybe we can hear Judas muttering under his breath, oh, so wasteful. If any of you ever, maybe you grew up in a household where something along the lines of such a waste or don't make sure you don't waste anything. Maybe this was something you had to clean your plate, for example, or something like that. Now, not wasting is certainly a really good habit to uh, be engaged in, especially with all that we've been reading about the the, uh, climate summit right now happening and we read all of the statistics about how wasteful we are as a people and the damage it is happening uh, to our planet. So I feel compelled at least to give one example here, and I'm going to pick on the fashion industry a little bit. The fashion industry consumes one-tenth of all the water used industrially to run factories and clean products. So it takes 10,000 liters of water to produce one kilogram of cotton, or about 3,000 liters of water for one cotton shirt. So when we hear statistics like this, we think we are so wasteful, and then we put waste down as something that's bad, which again, I am also in that camp. And yet that's perhaps what challenged me a little bit about this passage this week, because we can imagine Judas saying, this is so wasteful, even though we read in the text that Judas is really concerned about the money that perhaps he could have skimmed off the top by selling it. And when we take a look back, or when we take a bigger view of the Gospel of John, we actually see there's quote-unquote waste in other places too. At Cana, we know perhaps the story of Jesus. At the wedding of Cana, 180 gallons of new wine are created, more than a wedding crowd can consume. That's kind of wasteful. We know the story of the feeding of the 5,000. In fact, that's the passage we'll be focusing on next week. 12 baskets of leftover remaining. Did anyone at that time think, gosh, this is so wasteful? Later on in the Gospel of John, Simon Peter will catch 153 large fish in a net more than enough. I wonder if anyone ever thought, oh, this is kind of, kind of wasteful. We're not going to be able to eat all of this. And when we think about, in our own lives, when we think about and reflect on what do we offer to God, think about the time that you might give to the faith life. Think about the money that you might give to a community of faith. Someone who's non-religious could understandably say, 
Why on earth are you giving up your time? Why on earth are you giving up your finance to something that's so not tangible? It's not something that you can see or or feel necessarily, the faith life. There was a quote that Bill Gates gave many years ago. I think he's probably, I've read some other things that he is a little bit more, I think, open to what the religious life can offer. But one quote that I read of his many years ago said, just in terms of allocation of time resources, religion is not very efficient. There's a lot more I could be doing on a Sunday morning. I think there's probably a lot of people who feel that way. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of money to give to something that just isn't seem to have something that you can hang on to, is it? And yet here's Mary who is drawn to making this gift, this seemingly wasteful gift as a way of her saying, this is who I'm in with. I am putting my whole self in every single part of me, even if it is a gift that seemingly makes no sense, but it is abundant. It spills over. And maybe that's what we should be reflecting on when we think about what we give to God. And that also includes our finances. So every year and when we talk about this and we talk about the whole concept of tithing, there are some communities of faith that talk about tithing gleefully, the whole concept of giving 10% of one's salary. And then there's some communities of faith that are squeamish about that. We've tried at the beginning of Urban Village to at least talk about it openly, of saying this is something that we should all be thinking about, or at least striving toward. If we believe that we have been given an abundance from God, if that's where we are, what does it mean then to begin to give out of that, including our finances? Now, we also acknowledge that we are in a community where there are people who have student loans up to their ears. We have people who live on fixed incomes. Not everybody can give 10%. But what we do ask is to think about your resources, to think about what does it mean to give our whole selves and start somewhere, to think about giving 1%, 5%, 0.5%, something. Start somewhere when it comes to percentage giving. And then next year, where are you? Can you increase that by another percent? Can you bump it up to 2%? This is what I have tried to commit my own life to, is giving 10% of my salary to the church. Others would see that as wasteful. Others would see that makes no sense. It is inefficient. And yet, perhaps... Being a person who follows Jesus, that also, on the face of it, maybe doesn't make a lot of sense. And yet I wouldn't do it any other way. One of my favorite stories about giving happened a few years ago. Every Labor Day at Urban Village, we have a worship service on the shores of Lake Michigan. And every year, we also offer the opportunity to baptize folks. So there are some people who will renew their baptism or remember their baptism Uh, But there are some who have never been baptized. And so we give them the opportunity to uh, do full immersion. So for those Baptists in our uh, midst who are fans of full immersion, that service is for them. 
And so the first year that we did this, to be honest, I wasn't really expecting anybody to step forward. But as I was doing the remembrance of the baptism, I did that very much like you took a little bit of water and put it on a person's hand. And I said, would say, remember that you were baptized and be thankful. But this young man named Alex came up. Alex had only been attending the church for a few weeks. He was a freshman at the Illinois Institute of Technology. And so he came forward and he said, I want to be baptized. Now, I must confess to you that I wasn't expecting that, which is on me. Uh, and so I was flustered at first. and I didn't quite know what to do. And so I told Alex, well, just stand aside for a second. I, will, I promise I'll be right with you because there were other people wanting to do the baptismal remembrance. But then a few people later, another person said, I want to be baptized too. And I thought, holy cow, this is something here. Well, finally, we got to the point where we baptized Alex, and there we were, and we immersed him in the waters of Lake Michigan, one of the most memorable experiences of my ministry. And then a few weeks later, when we were talking about what does it mean to give to the church, including financially, Alex, you know, college students, so college students are not going to be making a lot of money, but he came up to me and he said, you know, I'm going to do away with a Starbucks a week and I'm going to give that money to the church. I could tell that he had given this some thought. What is it that is something that I could sacrifice? Now you might think, what, that's what, three, four, five dollars a week? And yet for him, that was something. That was sacrificing. It was kind of wasteful because he could have had a coffee, something he could actually feel and would feel good. And yet he was doing something different with that. He was giving of his whole self. He was giving abundantly. He was giving, in a sense, something that was meant something to him, as opposed to lima beans and old pumpkin mix. So for those of you who are listening to this, you may be part of Urban Village. You may not. So wherever you're listening, if you are part of a faith community, I hope that you will really pray about and reflect on how is it, how can I support my faith community financially? What does it mean, perhaps, to be slightly wasteful. I'm not asking anyone to be reckless. I want you to be able to pay your bills and everything else. But to think about the abundance that God has given to you that overflows, and then think about how that might impact what you give so that the church can do its ministry, all while following the example of Mary and following in the footsteps of Jesus. I hope when you reflect on those things that you prayerfully do so and that you decide, I'm giving God my best. I'm giving God my all, not just what's left over. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening. You can get involved with Urban Village. You can go to urbanvillagechurch.org to find out all the different ways that you can connect to us if you are part of Urban Village, either online or in person. This is the time when we're asking folks to think about pledging to our church. So you can go to urbanvillagechurch.org slash give and let us know kind of where you are and how you might be able to support us in 2022. Um, I am now part of this new Urban Village site out in the near western suburbs, Urban Village Church uh, West. And so if you are at all interested about what we're doing there, feel free to reach out to me. Christian at urbanvillagechurch.org is my email. Or if you want to talk about anything else, I'm happy to, to connect with you. And so friends, until the next time that we're together, may the peace of Christ be with you.